This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 182, recorded on Monday, October the 27th, 2014. Jason, how was your weekend? Mine was great. I was in California. Fine. Let's talk about your weekend. My weekend was boring. (laughs) I didn't do any Walking Dead related stuff while I was in California other than watch the show. Um, But uh, it was nice. It was nice to get some nice, sunny, warm weather. I spent all day Saturday in Six Flags Magic Mountain. Boy, was that ever fun. And uh, But now I'm back, and the first thing I did when I got home is said hi to my kids and said hi to my wife, and then immediately came downstairs to record a podcast. So that's where my priorities sit right now. Listen, hi, wife. It's nice to see you. Listen, shut up for a second. I got to go downstairs and talk on the radio. No, I didn't. I wasn't that mean about it, but, you know, uh, I will be spending time with them soon enough. You could have been that mean. You just uh, say I had a long weekend with a lot of traveling, and I'm cranky, and I apologize. And uh, that way you can get away with being mean. No, it doesn't doesn't work out that way. But we're here. I didn't want to re- delay. I didn't want to you know postpone this post- podcast till tomorrow or anything because that just uh, that's just not how the kind of guy I am. Really, want to get it get her done because people are expecting it, and that's the thing. Well, let's get the show on the road then. All right. So the first thing I want to do is just tell everyone that this episode is brought to you by goldlabel.com. You can get 15% off hoodies and sweatshirts in their Walking Dead store this week if you use the promo code SLAUGHTER15. That's promo code SLAUGHTER15 for 15% off hoodies and sweatshirts in goldlabel.com's Walking Dead store. I'll post that on our Facebook page later on tonight, too. So uh, just in case you forget it or you don't write it down and you don't know how to rewind a podcast, you can go to Facebook and get that promo code there. We thank them for their support immensely. They're uh, very cool people over there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving right along, I want to play another contest entry, Jason, in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Awesome. I'm so excited. Play it. All right. right now. I am not going to say anything about this other than it comes from Georgia in Melbourne, Australia. Don't worry, she'll come back. I didn't hurt her brain. No, no, no. We have to wait. I need to show you. You'll see. You'll finally get it. We have to wait. I just want us to wait. We can wait. We can wait. You just give me the gun. We can wait. I swear. You and Tyrese should take Judith back. It's not safe for her. But Judith can change too. I was just about to... She can't even walk yet. Yeah, you're right. So you two take Judith back to the house and we'll have lunch. And I'll just... I'll just tie Mika up. You know, just so she won't go anywhere. Who says what she'll do? Mm-hmm. I promise. I'll use her shoelaces. What is it? What is it? Are you mad at me? Is that what you wanted to talk to me about? I'm sorry I pointed my gun at you. I just needed you to wait. I know. I'm sorry. 
I'm mad at me. I love you, Lizzie. I'm sorry. Please don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. And everything works out the way it's supposed to. Just look at the flowers, Lizzie. Just look at the flowers. I'm sorry. Just look at the flowers. There you go. Are you emotionally drained, Jason? That was awesome. <laughs> that was super awesome. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, uh, the the she obviously Georgia did both parts, Carol and Lizzie, and she recorded them separately and then layered them on top of each other because there were a couple lines there that overlapped a little bit, I think. Unless she can do two parts and speak different words at the same time, that would be a talent right there. That would be quite the talent. Um, but that was amazing. Thank you so much, Georgia. If uh, if you heard that and you think you can top that, it's going to be pretty hard. Um, get your entries into the contest. You can call them in, 1-844-483-9662, or record them on your phone or any other recording device, really. Get them onto your computer and email them to us, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Georgia, from Melbourne, Australia, for that one. Nice. All right, Jason, let's move right into our recap of this week's episode. Cool, cool. Four walls and a roof. Thank you, Sarah in Maine, for recording the episode episode title this week. Uh, if you want to record a future episode title, just do so uh, in the same ways that you can enter the contest and uh, send it into us, and I'll choose one to play before we do our recap, just like that. And you'll you'll. And get if the, we get uh, if we get thirty of them, you'll mix them all together and play them all at the same time. I don't know. I do have oh all on all overlapping on top of each other. That's right, yeah. I don't know about that. I did get, I think I may have got a couple for this episode, so I really can only choose one, but I could play them all back to back, but that might take too long. Okay, so this is Season 5, Episode 3, Four Walls and a Roof, and it opens with a bunch of zombies. Oh, one other thing I want to mention, Jason, before we start. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I did this, the, I did the notes for this recap on the plane on the way home from Los Angeles, so you saying that your notes are a little lofty? So they're maybe a little, you know, a little uh, weak this this time. So you got to fill in the gaps. If I miss anything or if I if I do anything silly, you got to fill fill it in for me. All right? Were you drinking on the plane? No, I actually wasn't because you have to pay for every freaking thing on the plane. So I didn't bother. <laughs> right. And I did enough drinking while I was not on the plane in California. So uh, took a break tonight. Good. Anyways, if uh, this is a weird recap, you'll 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 bring it home for us. I know you will. I will certainly attempt to do so. All right, fantastic. So let's back to it. Uh, we open bunch of zombies snarling, and we see people eating, and it's quite disgusting. In fact, the people eating is a little more disgusting than the zombies. I think almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which says something. Turns out that this is the termites, and they're in a building, and the zombies are at the window, and of course Gareth is there. And he's talking about how unsafe it is being there. But what are you going to do? We got to we gotta be somewhere. And uh, he says, that glass is going to break because nothing lasts forever. Very profound. It really is, considering what just happened to uh, him and his family. Um, and he mentions that they marked their way so that they could find their way back, although they're not, they don't really have anything to go back to. But I guess this explains the marking markings we've seen on the trees yeah i think uh at least some of them 
Do you think do you think the circle X's that Morgan saw are terminus markings, and maybe the one that Bob saw was not? I'm not sure exactly because if they, if there was if I think the one that Morgan saw was not a terminus marking because it was a little complex and it was on uh, the side of the tree going away from terminus. If I was trying to mark a trail uh, coming, you know, to get make my way back. I think, you know, as I pass a tree, I would mark the side of the tree that I would see on the way back, not the side of the tree that I'm seeing on the way out. And Morgan saw the marking on the side of the tree on the way away from Terminus. That's an interesting point, actually. I hadn't thought of that. I'm not entirely convinced that that particular one was from the termites, but the one near the church that pointed with an arrow would look like a, you know, uh, just a, a a gash and an arrow it could be uh, i think that was one of the termites uh markings oh okay so all right or maybe they just use breadcrumbs who knows maybe they're just like hansel and gretel and they're really dumb or maybe they had a leftover uh you know a big sack full of fingers and they just uh you know left a finger here and a finger there and uh <laughs> the fingers are pointing their way back to terminus it's a big chain of finger sausages all joined together <laughs> No, no, just just fingers. <laughs> All right. Pointing, or maybe hands, uh, you know, put in a pointing position, uh, nailed to trees. That's a really <laughs> Go good that idea. Way. That's a really good idea. <laughs> I mean, it's a really horrific idea, but uh, a bunch of hands pointing. Why not? <laughs> Do you think they, they, uh, they cut off people's hands in the end and then dip them in uh, whatever and then fry them up and then have like chicken wings, but only their hands? Human hands. You know, they, they have a wing night. Oh my God! You know, where they get together and talk about football and eat, uh, eat you know, battered hands. <laughs> That's disgusting. But yeah, maybe I don't know. It's hey, it's hand night, everybody. Um, do you want mild, medium, or suicide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. Uh, all right. So Gareth is of course talking to Bob, and he says, "You join us or feed us." That was the original. Is a nice line. Yeah, that was the original choice. Anyways. And he gives them a uh, analogy of bears eating their young, where where uh, uh, if they start to starve, uh, an adult bear will eat its young so that it can survive. Because if that adult bear dies anyways, then the young will die. But if they eat the young, they can they might live to have another cub, which is yeah, to, is, which is total bear logic. But it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, bears have a logic to them. Absolutely. And Gareth continues. He goes on talks about how uh, how he likes to eat women because they're tastier. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And he, he mentions Sasha at this point, really to get Bob's goat, of course. Because he knows they're in love, or they have a thing anyway. Now, Bob starts to laugh like a madman. He just starts going off, and, and everyone's standing around. All the termites think that he's losing his mind. But then Bob reveals, drumroll, that he has been bitten in the shoulder, and he starts yelling at, at Gareth that they're eating tainted meat. Yeah, he started. Uh, he started by crying, but then ended up laughing. Right. Uh, he he was crying, but then he was laughing. Okay, so, so he, it was it, it wasn't a mistaken kind of. Uh, it could have been a laugh. It could have been a cry, uh, and it turned out to be a laugh. It just no. It really looked like he was crying, and then he it did morph into an actual laugh. Right. So um, he the, you know uh, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. did a great job, I think, of, of portraying that. And maybe Bob is losing his mind a little bit because he's got a lot of mixed emotions going on there, you know? he's He knows he's going to die, but he also knows that these idiots, as he calls them, are eating his tainted meat. Yes. So when he says that, they all start spitting it out, 
And uh, But Gareth is like, don't worry, we cooked him. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And uh, Bob starts to get loud and starts yelling, and then Gareth kicks him in the face, and he's knocked unconscious. Yes. Go back to sleep. Yeah, we don't need you yelling like that. Just shut up already. So then the opening credits play, and when we come back, we see Sasha. She's in the forest looking for Bob, and uh, we see the mark, the tree mark behind her. Is it the same one Bob saw? Uh, probably. I think so. I don't know. if It, it looked the same, but... Uh... Yeah, it probably was. I think it's the same horizontal line type mark. Um, suddenly some stealth zombies attack her, of course, but uh, she ends up being fine. And just then Tyrese and Rick show up, and Sasha confirms to them that somebody was watching them. So that's They really of... need a signal because, uh, you know, it was, you know, Tyrese had to, you know, really sneak up on her and wrap, her, wrap his hand around her mouth so that she wouldn't yell. They really need some kind of uh, covert signal like uh, flash, thunder, flash, bang, or whatever. Just something. Just, uh, you know, uh, you hoot like a wood owl, and I'll hoot like a barn owl, and everything will be fine. Exactly. I mean, it, this this keeps happening. People keep sneaking up. Like, their own people keep coming out of the bushes and startling people. And, I mean, it happens again later in this episode, even. So, yeah. you're right. They definitely need a signal. And it can be anything. They just need to come up with some sort of indication, indicator that, you know, I'm coming. It's me. Don't worry. And uh, call and response type thing. Yeah. You know what? They, they uh, I think they had this in World War II. They had clickers. You know the, uh, the clickers they used to train dogs? Yeah. It uh, was so in, uh, we talked about it. It was in Band of Brothers, right? Not the clickers. We talked about the flash thunder. Oh, thing. okay. But we never talked about the actual clickers. Yeah. They, uh, they, they click it. And because the clicker is, uh, it's non-directional, right? Because it makes that noise, it kind of, uh, it's hard to tell where the source of the sound is coming from. Whereas if you say flash, you can really hone in on, on, uh, on that sound. Mm. But the clicker is, it's a little bit louder and it's, uh, you re really can't, it doesn't give away where you are. I think that's the, uh, the advantage of the clicker. So, uh, they need clickers. Well, maybe next time they go raid an army surplus store, they can find some. I'm going to send Rick an email and uh, tell him to uh, use a clicker. All right, good idea. Uh, so, yeah, Sasha says that somebody was watching them, and then Rick mentions that Daryl and Carol are missing too, so they realize that some of their people are suddenly not there. We cut into the church, and they've gone inside now, and Sasha confronts Gabriel. She is assuming that he is involved in their disappearance and possibly the people that are watching them. But Gabe insists he has nothing to do with it. He's like, I have no idea what's going on. Um, so Rick gets involved and he accuses him too. And he mentions you'll burn for this. Like, what does that mean? What will you burn for? He says. And so we get Gabe's Gabriel's confession here now as to what he did. And it's along the lines of, of what we thought, but doesn't seem to be involved with Terminus at all yeah he confesses that he locked out his congregation basically because he keeps the doors locked at night and uh, one morning you know they came and they were all screaming to get in the screaming attracted zombies and uh, they were all sort of slaughtered while he hid inside the church yep and he says he buried them all and then he says that the lord sent rick and the group to punish him so he's feeling pretty guilty about what he did, uh, you know, deservedly so, I'd say. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, why would the Lord send anyway? It's he was stuck on a rock, and they uh, they saved him. They went down into a big soup of zombies, and he was going to die, and they saved him. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? Uh, what exactly is this punishment? How How is it going to take form? Do you think? Well, I mean, now, that is a what's good, he thinking? That is a good question. I mean, so far. Gabriel has benefited a fair bit from having Rick around now. I mean, Rick doesn't trust him, and Rick said, if if you do anything, you know, to hurt these people, I will kill you, and so on. So Rick's a little bit threatening. He's not the friendliest guy, but you're absolutely right. Like, Gabe would probably be dead now if it wasn't for Rick and the gang. Yeah. So, yeah, I maybe he is just sort of anticipating bad things happening, and he's like, you know, I don't— see things going well for me here, so this is probably my punishment for letting those people get eaten outside the church. I don't know. Who knows? Um, Just then we hear a whistling outside, and they go out, and they find Bob lying in the grass. Um, There are some zombies around, which they kill, and they take Bob inside, and then we hear a gunshot in the forest, so Rick fires blindly into the night. Yeah, why not? Like five or six shots just into the forest, maybe laying down some cover fire, some random cover fire, hoping he'll hit somebody. Um, you know, maybe just letting them know, you know, we know we, we know you're there. We're just going to shoot yeah, it's into the like woods. just like firing off in the air so that they run off. I guess so, yeah. And as the camera pans along, we see a big red A painted on the side of the church. Which I thought was funny. You thought that was funny? I thought that was funny. That's just kind of, that's a, that's kind of a fuck you to, to, the, uh, to these people. Like uh, you, can, no matter where you go, you're still in the uh, in the in the A car. You're still our food for sure. It's it's an intimidation play by Gareth, right? It's like yeah. we had you in in train car A, and I don't care what you guys think. You are still, we are still in control. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's big A. So inside, Bob says he was in the graveyard, and somebody knocked him out. He woke up in what he thinks is a school. It's good information. Yeah, very good. And he says it was Gareth and five others eating his leg like it was nothing. Um, but 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 good on Bob for having the wherewithal to observe his surroundings and and remember it. It's like you know when if you're in a hit and run, the best thing you can do is try to get the person's license plate before they they run off, right, or drive off. That, yeah, that's a good idea. And that's kind of what Bob has done here. So. Um, uh, he Rick asks about Daryl and Carol, and Bob says that Gareth said that they drove off. So Gareth seems to know everything. <laughs> well, yeah, he does. He just does. He just he just knows. Yeah, everything. he knows everything. He knows. Yeah, every- well, he got a lot of he got more information out of the uh, the termites than they got out of him. Right. It was a reverse interrogation. It was like he was interrogating them rather than uh, them interrogating him. So are we just supposed to assume though that? that Gareth was following them as well and he saw them drive off? Yeah, well, he mentioned that. You remember? He he said uh, we were going to get uh, Carol and the archer as well, but they got in a car and drove off. So we actually heard that bit of dialogue. Oh, we did at the beginning? We did, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Because he was talking about uh, eating women yeah. and uh, how them being tastier and how he was looking forward to eating that bitch that came in and, and tore up Terminus. Uh-huh. Right, which is Carol, that gray-haired bitch, yeah. is what he said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But she and the archer got into a car and drove off before we could get them. See? Plain notes. That's why you're here. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so pay attention. I don't care if you worked all weekend and went on roller coasters and had a good time. You need to uh, you need to pay attention, my friend. Man, full throttle, everybody. If you go to Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California, wait in line for the full throttle roller coaster. It's a long ass line, but man, you won't be disappointed. Okay. Anyways, so uh, they offer Bob some medication, and he says, no, save it. And then he shows everyone that he was bitten in the shoulder at the food bank. Everybody gets really sad, of course, and uh, Gabe offers his sofa to Bob so that he's at least comfortable. Yeah, that's nice. I have a sofa in my office. You think they would, they would know that by now, that there's a sofa in his office. They, they pretty much you know went through the entire church. Right. Uh, you know, getting whatever information that they could. Yep. So I, I would think that they would know that there's a sofa in his office. Probably. So he should have said, why don't you take him to the sofa in my office so he's comfortable? Yeah. All right. Yep. That would <laughs> be better. Very, very good. Uh, Rick asks Gabriel about the school, or the building anyways, and he says that it's 10 minutes through the forest uh, they talk about Bob not having a high fever yet, which is good. And Glenn mentions yeah. that Jim lasted two days before they left him on the side of the road. So they did a nice callback all the way to season one. Yeah. Like season five, back to season one. I wonder, All the way back. That was awesome. I wonder if like half the audience was like, what? Who the hell is Jim? Oh, probably. Probably. They probably have no idea. I went, who the hell is Jim, for a little bit before I clued into what's going on. Oh, no. I picked up on it right away. But well, that... you're smarter than the average bear. Yeah, and you're the average bear. I really am. <laughs> uh, at this point, Abraham steps up and says, they got to leave for D.C. right now. <laughs> right now, middle of the night, we're going. And uh, he says, there's a clear threat to Eugene. They have to go. Rick and Abraham, of course, argue about leaving and taking the bus. And they all—they almost come to blows, but are broken up. And then Glenn says how much they need each other to get to D.C. and stuff like that. Yep. Um, Tara steps up and asks them to stay one more day to help. And if they do, then she'll go with them no matter what. And, in, and, and Abraham asks that for Glenn and Maggie, too. But Rick says no. Says no. Well, yeah. So why do you think he specifically wanted Glenn and Maggie to come? Maggie looks good this season. Well, I get if that. If I was Eugene, and I kind of am, I would uh, <laughs> I would ask for uh, Maggie to come along. Strictly because she's hot. Yeah. Well, okay, I can see that. But is is Abraham? He's like... collecting the hot chicks. That's all he's doing. Oh, he's right. just he he gets uh, what's her name there with the rifle. Rosita That's out with them already. Rosita. Rosita. And he, then the uh, the other woman. What's her uh, uh, What's her name? Lynn Lode. What's her name? Who? The, the woman they picked up at the prison that was with the governor. Tara. Tara. You think I'd learn these names after a while, right? You should try. Uh, you should put a little effort in. Just a little. So, And then Tara's going with them. So what does he do? He picks Maggie. Well, it I Makes just, perfect sense to me. All right, but he's is he... trying to build a harem. <laughs> right, that's what he's doing. Is he singling them out because he thinks they're like the most useful people in the group? Like they're the best survivors, best fighters, something like that? Just, just they're women. I think they're, he's, he's getting all the women to go with him. I, think, I, I really do. I think that's weird. Like, what is he? He's like, we need to repopulate the earth, so let's get all the women together. Maybe. Maybe that's his end game. Maybe it's, uh, you know, save the world, whatever. I want to repopulate the world after it's saved. Well, I think that... And we've got to repopulate fast, so we have to have three wives for every husband. 
Yeah, that uh, seems like a bit crazy. I think he just is trying to say that those two are good. You know, they're young, they're healthy, they could be a benefit to the cause. I think if Daryl was there, he probably would have said Daryl comes too because, you know, he's indestructible. All right, well, how about this for uh, for another theory? All right. He is a time traveler, and Maggie and Glenn are his parents. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. I'll take that one. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, he says, Rick says no, Glenn and Maggie aren't coming. Abe, Abraham still wants to go right now, but even Rosita and Eugene aren't sure. Eugene says, I don't want to go. <laughs> but then he quickly changes his mind. <laughs> Well, he, yeah, he's he's uh, he's not a very the most assertive guy. Um, Rick says as it says again that they're not going to take the bus. They almost fight again, but Glenn breaks it up. And now this time Glenn steps up and offers to go. He says, "We'll go with you tomorrow." Rick says no again, and Glenn says, "It's not your call." Right. I am my own man. I can make my own decisions for me and my wife. Stay out of this, Ricky boy. Um, at this point, Abraham agrees to delay 12 hours, and Maggie confirms that she will go with Glenn after 12 hours. Seems fair. Yep, I think so too. Uh, we go to Bob and Sasha, and he's lying on the couch, and he's trying to see the bright side of getting kicked in the face because it's distracting him from the pain everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Always happy, Bob. And, he uh, seems happy. Yeah, he's, he seems happy-ish for considering the circumstances. But Sasha doesn't like that game anymore, and uh, they talk about why Bob didn't tell her that this happened. Right. Because it's the end, and he says he really likes the middle, and he didn't want it to be all about the end. That's true. I can I can feel for the guy. It makes some sense. We cut to a commercial and come back, and then Rick is talking to the group about how they know... Uh, about how they know exactly where the termites are, and he says they have a plan to move before the termites do, and he asks Tyrese if he is up for this. And uh, I think Tyrese says yes, except Sasha jumps up first, and she agrees to go, so Tyrese stays with Bob. They kind of switch places there. And, uh, you know, they talk a little bit. Tyrese says he wishes he had more time with Karen, but... Uh, Sasha is clearly a woman of action, and she wants to do something. And uh, she wonders how Tyrese could possibly forgive people for, for what happened, because she just totally can't see that angle right now. Well, yeah. I thought it was kind of confusing that uh, that he would try and forgive people. Well, he, the thing is, Tyrese confronted the the person that wronged him, right? Him and Carol sat down at the table. She put a gun on the table, and she told Tyrese, make your choice. And in that moment, Tyrese decided to choose forgiveness, for Carol at least. And that's, you know, that's very different than the situation Sasha is in. Because, first of all, Bob was hurt by essentially their enemies. Um, I mean, I know he was he was bitten by a zombie. But then, you know, he had his leg chopped off and all that stuff by their enemies. And you can't forgive a zombie. And you can't really forgive your enemy. Or at least it's a lot harder. But when your friend sits down and says, I wronged you, I'm sorry, there's a difference. It's true. It's the way I see it anyways. I mean, um, turns out Tara, I mean, Sasha won't really need to forgive anybody. <laughs> she gets her revenge <laughs> later on. Uh, yep. But that's that. And uh, Sasha also leaves Tyrese with a knife to kill Bob when the time comes, if he's still sort of standing watch while they're out. Yeah, it's a good plan. Yeah, definitely a good plan. You you want to make sure he uh, doesn't come back. 
So the group leaves the church, and they walk away into the forest. The camera pans over, and we see the church sign as they go into the forest. And then we sit there for a rather lengthy shot, I thought. It was very long. That's what lengthy Nicely means. done. I, I know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm agreeing with you, not uh, trying to clarify. All right. Um, I even thought, like, it even got to a second for me before the Terminus people came walking out of sort of the other side of the forest. I was like, uh, is something wrong? But no, it was just a length, lengthy hold on that sign. They come out. I guess it would be crazy if they came out too quickly because the other group wouldn't have been far away enough, I guess, yet. Um, yep. So they wanted to take their time. And, uh, yeah, the termites come out of the forest. They approach the church. The church. And after a pause, they break down the door and enter the church. Yeah. So it could be bad for the remaining people in there. Oh, probably will be. Yeah, probably will be. You got to think they're not there to uh, be friendly and share, bring a you know an apple pie from next door. <laughs> they're making pies. I know they are. Yes, they are. So they proceed slowly into the church. Everybody is who's still there is hidden in Gabriel's office and or one of the back rooms in the church anyways gareth is of course talking as they come in because that guy never seems to stop talking he has a lot to say <laughs> he really is a talker isn't he yeah he 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 always likes to let people know what's going on let them know how he's feeling and uh he's doing that here too so he says there's no point in hiding um he lists everybody who is in there which is interesting and uh, he even says that Martin's good friend Tyrese, I know you're here. <laughs> How did he learn Judith's name? Well, there's a number of questions that people have been posing about about how he knows everything he knows. And you're right. How does he know Judith's name? Can you think of a time when it was said or, you know? No. I, I was a little surprised that he knew there was a baby. Before, before the baby started crying. Before the baby started crying. So how did he learn Judith's name? Maybe he learned it from Bob. You know, maybe he uh, the interrogation did go a little more two-way. So that Martin, uh, he Martin did get information. Him. Martin told him. Martin told yep. him. Okay. Yep, you win. That's it. Sorry. Thank you. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I suddenly realized that uh, uh, Tyrese told Martin, and Martin's still alive, so therefore Gareth knows Judith's name. Yep, you got it. All right. That's right. Moving on. Uh, but still, there are things that he seems to know. There's something else that comes up in this episode that uh, um, questions I have questions about, too, but we'll get there, I think. Um, what's happening? He They make their way to the back of the church where the office doors are, and he's kind of saying, you know, I know you're in one of these, so you might as well just come out. We have enough firepower to shoot up each room. Don't worry about that. And uh, he gives them a chance to come out, and he offers to Gabriel... The priest who's there, he says, Father, if if you, you know, come out and, and help us, we'll let you walk away. You can even take the baby with you. And then Judas starts crying. Right. So he appeals to Gabe to help them. Do you think he has a previous relationship with Gabriel, or is he just like, it's church, there's a priest, might as well try to use him? I think it's a, it's a church, there's a priest, he's just trying to uh, mess with their heads, trying to divide them mentally. Yeah, that's what you do as as a villain. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't expect I don't think that he expected it to work. Like if you tell a priest he can take off while I murder everybody else in your church, 
Well, I, I, I don't know. But you'd have to you'd have to uh, do that to a thousand priests and see what the uh, the split is on how many uh, bugger off with the baby. But see, I if, really don't know what the split would be. Right, but if uh, if Gareth does in fact know what um, Gabriel did to his his uh, community um, or his uh, uh, the people that that were trying to get into his church, then you know maybe he he knows this priest has sort of been too afraid to act before and maybe he will he will act in his own best interest and and give these people up you know it could be i think maybe he they might have a previous relationship i don't think we'll ever really get into it in in the show but uh the church isn't that far from terminus so you've got to think they know that they were there and maybe that marking on the tree is from before like maybe it wasn't a marking for them to follow their way back because why would you mark a tree so close to the church like that i i don't know so Anyways, I think maybe he was thinking Gabe might help them, but that doesn't work out this time. And uh, when we come back from the commercial, Gareth gives them the last chance, and then he tells his guys to uh, break the hinges and open the door. And suddenly, the two guys closest to the door are shot in the head. Surprise! Pew, pew! Very silently, too. Yes, with a gun sporting a suppressor. And uh, you hear Rick's voice, and he asks everyone to drop their weapons. Gareth says they'll fire right into that office, but Rick shoots his hand off. Yeah. Fingers. Bunch of fingers. Good enough. You need. Now he's got some extra fingers to point the way back to Terminus. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, Rick asks them to kneel, kind of steps out of the darkness. And everybody does, but Martin. And he stands up, and, and Gareth says, like, get down. There's no choice. And Martin says, yeah, there's a choice. But Abraham comes up to him, and he kneels at that point. Yeah. I would have pulled the trigger as soon as he said, there is a choice. As soon as he defied me in any way, I would have shot him in the head. You kill him. That's it? If, yeah. If you don't... Well, I mean, he shot the other two guys. I shot the handoff of, uh, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would pull the trigger and make an example of him. Yeah. Right then and there. I, I think you're right. But instead... Uh, Abraham just came up to him, and that would be enough to make me kneel. If- well, yeah, I'd be, you know, I've been in this situation, and the first thing I did was exactly what I was told and lied down on the ground so that nobody would shoot me. In case anyone's wondering, Jason told that story a few podcasts ago before the season started. So It was the police, and it wasn't my fault. Right. Just so you know, I was completely innocent, but they needed to uh, be in control of me and I accepted their control. Completely. <laughs> you, ac- you accepted their dominance of you. Yes. As you should. All right. Um, so Gareth and Rick talk now, and Gareth appears to think he can talk his way out of this because, as we said, that's all he does, this guy, is talk. And he goes on again about how they used to help people, like trying to say, we're actually good, but we've lost our way. And he tells Rick that he doesn't know what it is to be hungry. He's trying to give him that, like, we had no choice angle. Um, but uh, And he says that they'll walk away and never cross paths again, which never seems to work, right? You see this in movies all the time. Let us go, and we'll leave you alone forever. But that never... No, if I've learned anything from Saving Private Ryan, you don't let the guy go. Well, not just that, but like TV, movies, if you let the guy go, he always comes back somehow. You never... He always comes back and stabs you right in the chest. It happens every time, so you never, never do that. Uh, but and, and Rick has a good answer, though. He says, 
you know, sort of like, we could do that, but you'd cross somebody's path, and you guys are so evil, you would do this to anyone. It's true. Which I liked. I mean, Rick is, he sees things for what it is, what they are here, right? He's, it's, sure, we could let you go, but you're just going to go and eat and, and hurt and, and massacre somebody else. So they decide that uh, they're not going to let them go, and then the massacre occurs. Of course, Rick takes out yeah. Gareth with the red-handed machete, which... We, which is nice to see. We knew had to happen. And everybody else gets beat down by um, rifle butt ends or knives or, or whatever. And all the termites are killed, which is uh, pretty insane. It really is. Now, it was th- gross. It, it was gross. We saw Gareth's, like, you know, battered, bloody body on the, on the ground in a minute. But while they're doing this, Glenn and Maggie are there. Right, and they look on, and they look a little shocked. They do, like they don't seem to quite be one hundred percent on board with this plan because they don't participate in any of the killing. Um, and Glenn is the one who, in the uh, season five, episode one, I think he's isn't he the one who said, you know, we we have to, we, we're not those people. We have to go and uh, go and help. He said something like that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So. I just got the feeling they weren't entirely on board, um, although that so far didn't really, really go anywhere. Um, before the scene ends, though, Michonne, she finds her sword on one of the dead termites, so she's back. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, surprise. She gets her sword. I saw that back. coming like two episodes ago. Well, yeah, of course, but uh, I, I, do, I do like how they did this, where we had that scene with Michonne saying that, you know, I don't miss the sword. I like the family we have now. Hopefully we can, we can proceed without so much violence and death and so on. But this, you know, this occurrence, this event with the termites has kind of reverted her back. I think she's now back to, well, that was nice while it lasted, but uh, we can't, we can't go on like this. You need swords, you need violence, or if you don't need it, it will at least happen, and you need to be able to protect yourself. Yeah. So, the samurai has returned. Um, and Rick also says that uh, it could have been them. You know, we had to do this, or it would have been us. It was basically us or them. Mm-hmm. But I thought Glenn and Maggie still looked really shocked at this point, and you know, not sure what to think. Gabriel comes out of the office, and he witnesses the results of the massacre and the remains, all the bodies, and he says, this is the Lord's house. How could you do this kind of thing? And then Maggie quotes the title of the episode. She says, no, it's not the Lord's house. It's just four walls and a roof. Yep. Um, and that's it. We go to commercial. When we come back, we have everybody saying goodbye to Bob. So uh, it's it's daytime now. It's the next day. They're all saying goodbye and they leave except for Rick and Judith. And Bob thanks Rick for everything he's done. He says Rick is a good person because he took him in. And uh, he tells Rick that, you know, nightmares end be- and therefore they shouldn't change who you are. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll, be, uh, you'll be terrified for a little while, but don't let something bad change who you are at your core because a nightmare will end. So uh, I, I think that's just kind of reinforcing the idea that Rick needs to go to Washington, D.C., and that seems to be the best option they have right now for ending this whole this whole thing. 
It's a good plan. Yes, sir. Um, we cut to Sasha with Bob. They're saying goodbye. They talk some more. And uh, she asks, what good can possibly come out of this bad? But before Bob can answer, he's dead. <laughs> so I guess no good can come out of this this bad. And uh, she sort of starts crying. She breaks down, and she takes her knife out to stab him in the head. But Tyrese comes in before she does it, and he does it for her. And you know what I liked about this scene? What did you like? That they didn't waste time with Sasha, like, refusing, saying, no, I should be the one to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then Tyrese convincing her anyways that he has to do it and she doesn't need to and so on. She just accepted the fact that Tyrese would do it, and they moved on. She's like, I don't want to do this, I don't have to, and and Tyrese can do it for me. I like that. You you don't see that on TV, yeah. right? We've we've been through this before, right? So why go through it again? Well, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I like that. Sometimes you get bogged down in stuff like that where you think that a character has to act a certain way um, in these scenarios, but why? I mean, why bother? It's just It's just one thing that doesn't have to happen. So I think they made a good choice here, just to have Tyrese walk in, say, I'll do it, and then he does it. Right. Stabs Bob in the head. We cut to outside, and Sasha's putting a cross on Bob's grave, and uh, that's a quick shot. Abraham then gives a map to Rick with their route to D.C., and uh, he says that the group should be there for when things bounce back, and everyone who's staying at the church agrees to come. And then uh, a group of people get in that school bus and leave, and it's Abraham, Rosita, Eugene, Maggie, Glenn, and I believe Tara. So, yeah, so all the women. That's right. Your women, your women's theory holds up, but this is exactly what they said. You know, if you stay, then we're the ones who will come with you. I think it's interesting that they're splitting up the group like this. Do you think they're going to stay split for very long? I, a couple of episodes. That that's, Probably. That's it? That's it. I think they'll get back together... Oh, no, I don't think so. I think they'll get back together after the mid-season finale. Hmm, okay, so this was only episode three, so f five or six more episodes, maybe. Until they're yeah, together. I think something's going to happen where they'll uh, they'll meet up uh, at the beginning of the mid-season premiere, whatever, in February. Mid-season premiere, so episode nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Um Honestly, I think I'll be surprised if they stay separated for uh, for very long at all. I think they will come back together the first half of this season, but you never know. I mean, they could, in theory, put a lot of distance between them in that school bus if it keeps running and they don't run into any trouble, right? So it could yep. be a little while until they're back together. And, you know, thinking about it now, Glenn and Tara were the first people to meet Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene, right? So they do have the longest relationship with them. They know them the best. And, of course, Maggie's connected to Glenn. So this group of people does kind of make sense to leave together. They are the ones who, who first met them. So why not go? It's not, like, not? It's not like somebody else is, is leaving with strangers who they just met like one day before, right? So kind of yep. makes sense. Um, what's happening? Rick is looking at the map that he got from Abraham, and there's a note that says, Sorry I was an asshole. Come to Washington. The world's going to need Rick Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like that. It, it, but at the same time, it puts a lot of 
it heaps a lot of importance on Rick Grimes, right? It does, but I think it's funny. Is it valid? Like, does the world actually need Rick Grimes? Uh, no, not. I think Rick Grimes' group needs Rick Grimes. I don't think the world needs him. But he's a leader. I mean, he could he could lead a, a community. He could lead a bigger group. You know, he's he's kept the kept these people alive. I think what Abraham should have said is, you know, come, come soon, catch up to us. We need Rick Grimes. You're a valuable asset. Because as we know, his whole point in living is keeping Eugene safe. So um, I don't know. I, I like the, the sentiment of it anyways. It sort of showed that they've, they've even though they didn't always see eye to eye in this episode, especially, they've, uh, they do have a understanding of each other, right? Mutual understanding. Right. That's true. Um, Rick sees Tyrese digging graves. He goes over to help him, and Rick asks Tyrese about how it was getting to Terminus, and Tyrese says, it killed me. They go on digging. There's a pause, and Rick says, no, it didn't. You're, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nighttime, and Michonne is sitting on the step of the church. Gabriel comes out, says he can't sleep. They talk about how confessing everything out loud... Uh, has brought it all back. And uh, did we talk about his confession scene? Or did I totally no. over uh, skip over that? No, we did. We did. He, he's, he, yeah, we did. He, yeah. he locked everyone outside, right? <laughs> it's tired. Yeah. It's a long day, I told you. It has. Uh, and then suddenly they hear something in the woods. Gabe goes inside, but Michonne goes to see, of course. And again, they could use a signaling system here, right? They really could. But, of course, Daryl, he comes walking out of the woods. Michonne smiles, which is nice. She's very happy to see him. She asks, where's Carol? And Daryl turns over his shoulder and says, come on out before the episode ends. Black. Yeah. It's a little mini cliffhanger. That'll be Beth. Well, who knows who it could be, man? It's a little mini cliffhanger. Beth, Carol, or possibly a new character. We know that there have been some new people cast. So Could it be Shane? I don't think it's Shane. Otis? Nope. None, Herschel? None of those people. Let's, I, I want to say there are three options here. Beth, Carol, new character. What do you think the chances are percentage-wise of it being Beth? Uh, 100. 100% chance it's Beth? I, yes, I think it's 100% chance. Where's Carol? I don't know where Carol is. Is Carol dead? No, Carol's not dead. All right. If it's Carol, where's Beth? You don't care because oh, it's going to be Beth. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a mood question because it's going to be Beth. What about Morgan? Could it be Morgan? Oh, it could be Morgan. He runs in. Does Daryl? Uh, Daryl doesn't know Morgan. No. Nobody knows Morgan. But uh, Rick did have the walkie-talkie and talk to Morgan every morning for a while at the beginning of season two. That's true. Uh, so uh, maybe they learned, you know who Morgan was, but never met him. And so when, uh, if if Daryl ran into Morgan in the woods somewhere, and Morgan said, I know Rick, I'm Morgan, Daryl would be like, oh, dude, I know you. Come on, come with me. And the more you, the more I think about that, the more unlikely I think it is. Uh, Why? Because Daryl doesn't uh, do, uh, dude, I know you, come with me? Well, there, there'd have to be some additional story in there. Uh, that involved a lot of of Daryl learning to trust Morgan, that he, this guy he's never met, and I just don't well, think. Well, maybe there's get that. a backstory where uh, Daryl and Morgan knew each other before the apocalypse. Maybe uh, Daryl 
you know, worked for Morgan as a squirrel hunter. Yeah, I suppose. And a small engine mechanic. <laughs> sure, could have been anything, I suppose. Um, but I'm going to go with you and say it's probably Beth. Now, no, I'm, I'm saying it's definitely Beth. What if it's Beth not, you know, and Carol? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's fine. He brings them back together. Beth comes out first, though. Yes, but what is the point of whoever he is with hanging back in the forest and waiting for the okay to come out? Why don't they walk out together? I mean, I mean, I know we're just because it's Beth and she's scared. Well, we're just clearly speculating here. We don't know what's going to happen that leads to this point, obviously. But I'm and just trying Beth to. Beth is hanging onto a rope that is tied around uh, somebody else's neck that they're towing along. It's one of the people that Beth has been uh, shacked up with that uh, is now a uh, some kind, you know, on a leash of some kind. A prisoner. That's what I, a prisoner. Okay, so they have a prisoner. So it's Beth, possibly Carol, and a prisoner coming out of that. And Morgan. Those woods. And Shane and Otis. Maybe Morgan is the prisoner. I don't see that happening. I, uh, no, I don't see that happening. Morgan had uh, tools and things. Yeah. And he knows how to clear, so you're screwed if you go anywhere near him. Okay, bottom line is, I think the simplest and most likely answer is that it is Beth. And we will find out next week on the show, we'll get that story. We'll get the story of Daryl and Carol following that car, locating Beth, and figuring out what happened to her. And then something resolves itself, and Beth is back with the group. I hope. Yeah, most people subscribe to the KISS method to keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Uh, so we're going to go with the simplest one. I, pref I prefer the kissy method, which is keep it simple, idiot, <laughs> which is slightly different, but uh, very similar. Keep it simple, idiot. That's right. Uh, that's yeah. That that works for me, um, but we'll see. There's probably more to it than we can even imagine at this point, uh, and we'll find out next week. I hope. Uh, otherwise, though, what did you think of this episode? Uh, how did the massacre affect you? Uh, the massacre I thought was a little over the top. Uh, I don't know. It 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 started off okay. It kind of went downhill for a while, and I got bored. And then uh, once the 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 showdown in the church took place uh it was very good were you surprised okay were you were you at the showdown in the church did, yeah like did you have a feeling for what their plan was like you didn't think they were just going to walk off into the forest right uh no i knew they would be there i knew this was going to be uh this this was a you know an ambush like there's no way they would let them come come into the church and uh, carl would have opened fire long before uh, they got to the door mm -hmm. right even though he has the hat of compassion on, he he doesn't have the hat of stupidity plus three. He's going to start firing through walls because you can fire through walls. Sure, like walls do not stop bullets, generally speaking. Not unless engine blocks stop bullets, but walls do not. Not unless they're very thick concrete walls. Yeah, yeah. So uh, most bullets you can have a fifty cal will go through an engine block, but whatever. Uh, so. No, I knew that I knew that was an ambush. I wasn't worried about everybody, uh, you know, in the office getting killed, mm -hmm. uh, and all our intrepid heroes with the you know the big firepower off doing whatever they're doing. I knew that they were coming back. I knew that uh, everything was going to be okay. I knew there was going to be a showdown. Yeah, it's you. Could, I mean, you knew something was going to happen. It doesn't make sense for them to just 
the, for the plan to be, we know where they are, so let's go get them, right? Uh, if they kidnapped somebody already, they're clearly lurking around the church, coming and seeing what's going on, and, you know, they're not just going to sit around a campfire and that's it. So I think so, it was a cool plan. You know what we learned from this episode? What's that? Listen to Rick when he wants to go back and kill everybody. Because it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how much crap you're going to have to go through in order to get it done. It's true. Turns out Rick was absolutely right. They should have just killed them uh, initially when they were leaving Terminus. Um, the only problem with that plan is that there were so many walkers around Terminus at that point. You're really endangering yourself um, as nah, much. Nah, they could have handled that. The walkers are not a danger. They would have been fine. Well, it's. Uh, I, I think they would have been okay. You can't say walkers aren't entirely a danger. Yes, they're very good at, at killing them at this point. But, I mean, there were a lot, and they were on fire, and, you know, it, it, it had... How long has it been since walkers have been a danger to our group when they're together and on their game? It's been quite a while. You're right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have any... Uh, they, they would have been fine regardless of... They would, have been, uh, they would have done what Carol did. They would have directed them, used them to their advantage, and, uh, and mowed down all of the rest of the remaining termites. Okay. Well, you're, you're probably right. I mean, it would have saved them all this trouble right now anyways, so um, it probably would have been the thing to do at that point. Uh, the other thing, though, is there's a lot of places to hide in Terminus. I don't know how they would have gone back and, and known for sure that they got everybody. But Well, they, they're good at that, too. We learned that from uh, between Seasons 2 and 3. They know how to clear a house. Well, clear a they house. They know how to go in. Ter they know what they're doing. They'll, they'd figure it out. All right. Fine, maybe they would have, but that wouldn't have, you know, and then we wouldn't have gotten the awesome scene where Rick said, I made you a promise and I'm going to keep it and then hack him up with a red-handled handled machete. <laughs> well, he had, that, that he had that machete when he wanted to go back and kill them. Oh, I suppose you're right, but I think they were right? talking about guns then. Anyhow, the point is, listen to Rick Grimes. He knows what he's talking about. When Rick Grimes wants to slaughter a group of people, let him. True. Just lean into it. Yeah, go for it. Overall, otherwise, I thought this episode was pretty good. Um, it certainly didn't suffer from the uh, the writing problems I had with the last episode, but it wasn't written by Robert Kirkman. That's clearly why. Who wrote it? Uh, you know, I didn't look up the writer, um, but if you have it there, feel free to call it up. But um, I thought uh, I thought this was a pretty good one. It was a little bit of slow paced, like it, it built up to the massacre, right? Um, yeah. And then and the massacre was the real climax of the episode. And then after that, there was a bit of a sort of a coming down period. But there was no, um, you know, no no wasted time, nothing extraneous. I thought they did a nice job. And we had two really good acting performances in this episode, to be honest. I thought um, when Father Gabriel was confessing, um, that was really quite amazing. You know, he really sold that. And then Bob, when he was on his deathbed all that time, I think he he did a really great job too, being happy Bob, but also being dying Bob, and 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 everything. I Lawrence Gilliard Jr. did a fine job. What's the? Do you have it up there in front of you? What's the name of the guy that plays Gabriel again? Uh, no, I don't have it up in front of me. I know him from The Wire, though. Yeah, I just can't think of his name right now. But anyways, both of those two actors did a great great job in this episode. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worth it right there, I'd say. This, is, this wasn't bad overall. Um, did you get the writer? No, I'm looking it up now. Okay. <laughs> I've Four moved walls on. and a roof. 
yes. It, you know, it takes a little bit of time to click through the internet. So uh, let's see here. No, just keep going. All I'll right. figure it out. All right, fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was it was not Robert Kirkman. That was my whole point. So uh, Seth Gilliam is Father Gabriel Stokes. There you go. Thank and you. And written by... Uh, where is the writer? Way down at the bottom, probably. Either way. IMDb. It, trying to find the writers. Yeah, it'd be right up at the top. But anyways, doesn't matter. All right, um, I am ready to go to sleep, but we're going to do a few holy craps before we move on. So uh, let's do that right now. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. I did not have a lot of time. I apologize to go through all the email and the calls we got. So we'll do a few here, and then uh, maybe we'll dedicate some time on Wednesday's feedback show to a few more holy craps as well. What do you think? That's a good idea? I think that is a great idea. And just for the record, uh, nobody wrote this episode. The only writing credit on this whole page is writer's assistant uncredited. Oh, I, I'm sure somebody wrote the episode. It's it's. If you, if, <laughs> yes. If you went okay, to... Okay, Frank Darabont, uh, Robert Frank Kirk, Darabont. and Tony Moore. <laughs> That's the writing credits. It definitely. Not Frank Darabont. I'm telling you, there's no writers on this uh, on this page. Listen, I know this makes for riveting, riveting radio, but I'm going to get the writer right now and uh, it and tell you who it is. I don't believe you that it's not listed there. Writers, 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 writers. Uh, Angela Kang and Corey Reed. There you go. All right, then. Angela Kang. She's written many episodes. Yeah. And directed yeah. some. So, uh, And is a producer. So there you go. All right. That's too much time spent on that. Um, holy crap, did you see that Yager in Atlanta, Georgia? I hope I'm saying your name right, but that's the best I've got. Uh, says, holy crap, at the end, when Abraham and the others were leaving, Sasha was wearing Bob's jacket, the one with the 82nd Airborne Division patch on the right chest. I thought that was a really nice touch, but I couldn't help but wonder who took it off him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after he's dead, it's not really that much trouble to get a jacket off a guy, but... Still gross. I guess so. But as he says, nice touch. Um, she's going to have Bob's jacket now. Uh, let's see, Nikki Slim on the internet writes, My WTF moment was when we never got to find out what would have happened to the termites for eating the tainted meat. That's true. Are, are you upset? We never did find out. Are you upset about that at all? Are you worried that, that that was a whole thing and now it's just done? We'll never know? Well, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it. I think uh, I, I hadn't considered that until now, but uh, I'm a little disappointed that it didn't play out. And that we didn't get an answer, and it, it could have been a whole thing, but uh, I guess they decided not to make it a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, do you think that even they don't really know, and that's the problem? Of course not. Yeah, and I mentioned that last week. No, they don't know. So, but it, it's not you know this this uh, this zombieism thing is not a hard and fast set of rules. It's just kind of a uh, a plot device guide. Really, but I don't mean I don't mean like in the in the show in the characters. I mean the actual like makers of this show. Do you think Robert Kirkman doesn't even know? Like, do you think he's confused in his mind about how everything always works? Uh, yes. And I, I don't think he knows. And does that matter? No, I don't think it matters even a little bit. Okay, so so we we will over time probably get all sorts of conflicting information. And 
we just not have to we just have to try not to worry about it. That's correct. All right, great. Uh, David in North Carolina writes, out of all the moments in this episode that are holy crap worthy, I'm going to have to give it to the sound effect as Tyrese pushed the knife into Bob's head. I don't recall it, but I'm sure it was fantastic. A little squishy cracking sound, <laughs> as it Lovely. might be. Uh, Angie from Birmingham writes in uh, a few different holy crap moments, and there's some rather interesting profanity in here in case... Uh, you're worried about that, so plug your ears if you are. But Angie writes, Holy crap, Gabriel's confession. Seth is such a strong actor, he's swiftly becoming one of my favorites on the show. That's not the profanity. The next one is Rick. Holy <laughs> fuck. Shit fucking hell. Christ, fuck me backwards. Oh my God, don't fuck with Rick ever. It's true, and that was very poetic. It really was. Um and then her third one, Christ, Sasha, don't rely on Tyrese to put Bob down. He's the last person to rely on to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. Yes. Everything's fine. He did do it, but really, I mean, he is sort of the last guy you want to trust to kill somebody. But Sasha didn't know that, I, I have to assume. Yeah. So, uh, Trevor, th uh, thank you, Angie, for those. Trevor from Morrisville, North Carolina. Tyrese is stabbed to the Stucky Monster. Boy, that knife went through Bob's head about as easily as stabbing a can of Pringles. Even my brother, who is a nurse and was sitting next to me, said that Bob's skull must have been, must have been made of a marshmallow. I tell you, it's a it's a it's a head softening disease. This zombieism. Yeah, if you don't if you don't <laughs> if you don't die right away, I mean, you're just gonna bump your head on the door and probably it'll fall off. Oh yeah, they're made of they're they're nerf heads. Mm -hmm. After uh, as soon as you're infected, even the people that are still alive and, are, and around kicking, their heads are pretty soft too. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, so yeah. And, and once you get uh, once you get the full on infection or die from it, boy, your head it's like a nerf football. It really is very easy to plunge a knife into. And how and have you have you stabbed many cans of Pringles like? Well, can of you know it's just. It's easy to stab as a can of Pringles. Like I've 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 opened you know a few cans in my day of Pringles and enjoyed myself some uh, saddle shaped potato chips. <laughs> There's an actual name for that shape. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but uh, I've never stabbed a can of Pringles. Well, I guess Trevor has done so, and he knows that it's very very easy. I've stabbed a watermelon. That was pretty easy. Uh yeah, pumpkin. You've probably stabbed a pumpkin. Not recently, but yes. Maybe you will this week. I will not. You're not carving a pumpkin? No, we never carve a pumpkin. Are you giving out candy on Halloween? Yeah, I don't know. We bought candy. I don't know if we're giving it out. <laughs> there's a very, <laughs> there's an important difference there. <laughs> there is. All right. Donnie from Suffolk, Virginia writes, when Gareth was telling Bob about his guy seeing the archer and gray-headed lady leave in the car, and he almost got them. Gareth revealed that he knew Carol had killed his mother. How is that possible when Gareth nor any of his termites were anywhere near that room where Carol and his mom had the confrontation to see that Carol had killed her? Furthermore, none of the termites saw her enter Terminus because she came in walker mode. Maybe I'm missing something. So how... Here's This is my, the other question I was wondering about, brought up by Donnie here. How does yeah. Gareth know that Carol killed mary his mother 
I think Mary had a medical alert bracelet that uh, she was able to click and say, I've fallen and can't get up, uh, indicating that uh, somebody has killed her. And then maybe it has like some two-way communication where she said, uh, that gray-haired bitch killed me. Okay, so it, get her son. is that the only explanation? Because if it is, I don't think this holds up. Yeah, uh, no, it. Uh, I think that is a continuity error. Uh, I don't see how Gareth would have known that. I mean, obviously, we figured out that Gareth knows Judith because of uh, Martin. But Carol was in that room alone with Mary, and Mary was dead, basically, by the time Carol was leaving. She was getting eaten by zombies. So we know that Martin knows that Carol went to attack the uh, Terminus. Martin went, yes, Martin knows that for sure. So maybe Gareth can account for the whereabouts of everybody in the A-train car uh, and that couldn't have accounted for his mom's death. So the only other person available to kill her that he didn't know their whereabouts was the gray-haired bitch. So he's just making an assumption? So he doesn't really know? Right. I mean, it's, it's circumstantial, but I think if he can account for the whereabouts of everybody else uh, and... Because of what Martin knows, he could put it together. Yeah, but, I mean, she was... Mary, his mom, was eaten by zombies. She wasn't shot. I mean, she was... Oh, that's also true. Yeah, this is a this is a down-and-out continuity error. He wouldn't know that. All right, there's got to be an explanation. I mean, I don't think that they would... I mean, it's possible it's a continuity error. If someone out there can figure it out, how does Gareth know that Carol killed his mother or was at least present when she died, let the zombies in? Figure that out and uh, and let us know. I am too stupid right now to do it. Right now? Right now. Maybe in 20 minutes. I don't know. Uh, thank you, Donnie, for that. Rob on the internet writes, when the termites drew a damn A on the side of the church, a la the A on the boxcar, of course. Um, Danny from Wigan, UK, writes, Hi, guys. My holy crap moment was the scene with Rick Uh, talking with Bob towards the end of the episode. We see a close-up of Rick holding Judith, and you can clearly see that she is wearing odd socks. (laughs) I just think it's great, and amongst all the costuming and makeup work that everyone has to do on the show, that someone found the time to think, yeah, we're in a zombie apocalypse, so it might be difficult to find matching socks. Let's give Judith odd socks. I feel moments like that adds a bit more realism to the show. That's awesome. It is awesome. And odd socks must be a, a Britishism because um, in Canada, what would you say if someone was wearing um, socks that don't match? Mismatched socks. Me too. I would Or s- or socks that don't match. Yeah, I would say Judith is wearing mismatched socks. But odd socks, actually, I like better. Rolls off the tongue better. So thank you, Danny, for opening my eyes to that. And finally, James S. in Pittsburgh, PA writes gareth's cooking i'm not sure that the assumption that cooking meat kills the walker bacteria comforted anyone besides it's not like he had a meat thermometer to ensure proper cooking temperature that's true and for that matter what is the proper cooking temperature for human meat well obviously it's 165 to 170 degrees fahrenheit clearly i guess that's what it is for pork and you know human is the other other white meat we are close enough to pork I think so. I think the uh, 
the consensus is, and I don't know who made this consensus or how they got the information, but uh, I think uh, generally uh, we taste like pork. All right, I'll go with it. I'm I'm fine for that. Uh, We're pink like pigs. <laughs> yeah, not quite as pink. At least you and I are. I am anyway. Well, yeah, I came back from California. I'm pink like a pig right now. <laughs> nice tan. You look pink like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> There's a back. You got the little whiskers on your chin there too. You got, uh, yeah. I will stop there. Alrighty. Uh, so that's gonna be it for now. Um, boy, oh boy, the email has really, really, and the calls too have really picked up. So, um, I apologize to every anyone if I don't respond to you or it takes me forever to do so. Um, it's just, there's a ton of, of emails. We need some sort of intern to to manage our our email volume for us. We should uh, we should think about that, but uh, we'll we'll do another we'll do a little extra maybe on Wednesday on our feedback show maybe some more holy craps and uh, of course all the feedback we can cram in so um, uh, thanks to everyone who who wrote in. Um, remember if uh, if you want fifteen percent off hoodies and sweatshirts this week, go to goldlabel.com and use promo code slaughter fifteen. Just in case you need spelling help, that's S L A U G H T E R one five for uh, for the fifteen percent off. Thank you to GoldLabel.com for uh, sponsoring this episode. And in the meantime, uh, before Wednesday or whenever, and you want to send us some comments or feedback, you can give us a call at one eight four 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 eight three nine six six two. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And the email address is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Anything else, Jason, before we uh, wrap up this uh, rather quick recap episode for once? Not today. But you'll have something tomorrow? Everything will can hold till Wednesday. All right. Very, very good. Until then, uh, everybody, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.